So this summer we've been uh, going through a series called Beyond Fortune Cookie Faith. And the idea of Beyond Fortune Cookie Faith is sometimes we fall into habits of looking at Bible verses as if they were fortune cookies. And we read our verse and we don't really think about what it means in the context. We don't read the passage around it. We don't necessarily do any word studies. We just kind of read the verse and say, you know, it must mean that. It's, so we treat it like a fortune cookie. And uh, what we've been trying to do this summer, uh, kind of as a fun little thing in the sermons, is open a fortune cookie and just see if I can somehow use this in the sermon today. So here's our uh, fortune for the day. Whoa, that sounds terrible in the sermon. This is our false fortune for the day. There we go. That's better. Uh, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know about this. And it doesn't apply to me, maybe one of you, but uh, participation in sports. Participation in sports may lead to a lucrative career. <laughs> Brayden, is this for you? Derek, maybe it's your? Uh, okay, all right. Participation in sports may lead to a lucrative career. I have no idea. This might be the Sunday where we don't weave it in. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, wait, I know. I know exactly where I'm going to use it. Okay, all right, we're good. We're good. It, it just came to me. It's not going to fit perfectly, but it's going to be kind of funny, I, I think. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard somebody say that God will not give you more than you can handle. God will not give you more than you can handle. We can get that line up there on the screen. I think it should be my first note there. Um, is that true, that God will not give you more than you can handle? Now, where does that idea come from? Where do we get this? Well, I think one place it comes from is a scripture verse we're going to look at today. I also think Mother Teresa might have had a hand in it, because I think she said something like this. I know God won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. And, you know, Mother Teresa, right? Um, but... That statement, which I think comes out of 1 Corinthians 10.13, which is the idea that uh, you will not be tempted beyond, what, beyond your ability, beyond what you can handle. We're going to look at that verse today. But this statement, I, I guess I have a few issues with it, and I'll, let me just, just kind of get at my problem with it. First of all, um, it's talking about what God is going to give you. So, so the idea is if something bad happens, God, God gave it to you. Now, I know God allows things and he does things, but, but even that language, I'm a little unclear on what exactly it means that God's going to give you this, this horribly difficult thing. What does that mean? Does it mean that God is fair in how he distributes tough times? In other words, you know, like when I, sometimes when I go to the, go to the grocery store, we're, we're a family of six, and so we have to buy a lot of groceries. Some of you can sympathize with that. Um, the grocery bill is enormous. And so our, our back of our car is full of groceries. And there's no way I want to carry them all in by myself. I don't want Christy to carry them, her, them in all by herself. And so we'll enlist the help of our labor, which is our children, our servants. And, and we'll say, you know, you get to carry the groceries. And now when they were little, when they were little, I don't even think I had to ask. They were just like, Dad, can I carry that? Can I carry that? You know, now it's like, you must carry it or else, you know. Um, I'm just kidding. 
But when they were little, you know how eager you were to do things, you know, and if dad's carrying, I can do it. And sometimes I would carry like three or four in one hand, you know, and I, I would be like, like lifting the groceries. And then one of my kids would try to carry three or four, you, you know that, in their hands. And, and they're like this, you know, it's barely off the ground. They're kind of dragging it. And then the plastic comes open and the groceries go everywhere. There goes your apple. Sorry, you know, uh, because they can't carry it. And and so I, as a dad, when I would open the back of the car up, I would say to them, I think you can handle this bag. It's the bread, you know. But don't drop it because I don't want smashed bread, you know. And, and so I would tell them what they could carry. I, I distributed it fairly. And so the question is, is that what God does? Does he distribute pain fairly based on what you can carry? And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Because I think sometimes if you look at what we have to carry, we're like the kid dragging the groceries on the ground, you know? And I can barely do it. I think that's true of suffering. And if you want one verse that kind of proves my point, um, it's not going to be on the screen because I was just looking at it over the weekend here. Second uh, Corinthians one eight. You could turn there or hear me read it. We're going to be in First Corinthians, so you could turn that direction. Second Corinthians one eight. Paul says, "For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself." Do you see that? We were burdened beyond our strength. Not at our strength, beyond our strength. It's the load. It's the I can't carry it and the groceries are everywhere. I'm falling apart. And Paul says, I I, kind of wished I was dead, you know. I despaired of life. And so when somebody says that, that God won't give you more than you can handle, I say, well, he gave Paul more than he can handle. So how is that fair? Uh, This assumes that there's a level that I can carry, and and, and I have an issue with that. In fact, I wish we could just retire that from using that on people that are suffering. I don't think it says what we want it to say. I don't think it means what we want it to mean. All right? But I want to transition from this. I mean, because we've talked about Job this whole year. We've talked about suffering a lot. Today I want to talk about something closely related, and that is, temptation. So if you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just back a few pages from where you were if you were in 2 Corinthians, I think this is where that idea comes from that will God give you more than you can handle. And I'm going to start in verse 1, but we're going to end in verse 13 because that's where our verse is that I think is the verse in question. All right? 1 Corinthians 10, for I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea and they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, most of them God was not pleased, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And here's our verse. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So, a few words on context. In the first part of chapter 10, Paul wants to review ancient Israelite history. He wants to tell you that when, when Israel left Egypt, they were an incredibly blessed people. Like, how, how do you leave Egypt the way they did? How do you leave with gold in your hands going into the wilderness? I mean, God brought them out of Egypt. You know the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues. God miraculously did this, called them to celebrate Passover, spared their lives and brought them out. All that's amazing. And then they're in the wilderness. And, and you know, when they were thirsty, God brought water out of a rock. And when they were hungry, there was this little stuff on the ground in the morning they called manna. And they could eat. I mean, they were taken care of. And yet they grumbled. They committed sexual immorality. You know, they, they, they tested God. They worshipped idols. Remember the golden calf? They brought all their gold together and threw it all together, and, 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 they, and they fashioned this calf out of it, and they worshipped it. And when it says they arose and played, they don't mean on the playground. I mean, that's a euphemism for sexual sin. They, they arose and they played. Um, that's not good. None of it is good. And, and, and he goes through this, this history, and he's saying two things. Sin is incredibly dangerous. And... Those that are spiritually blessed had better be very careful. And this is number two. Sin brings destruction. So the blessed must be careful. So, in other words, if you think of your own life, what has God done for you? How has he shown himself faithful? Well, he saved you from your sin. Maybe he saved you from a terrible accident, a physical earthly accident. Maybe he's provided for your family. Maybe you got a job at just the right time. Maybe he's demonstrated his faithfulness in all sorts of different ways. Maybe he saved one of your kids that was so distant from him. But, but you've seen it. You've seen what he's done and how he's demonstrated his faithfulness in your life. Do you think, do you think that because of all of those blessings that you are immune from a long hard fall. And that's what Paul's getting at. He says, they ate the spiritual food and they drank the spiritual drink. You all take communion, you know? You eat the spiritual food and take the spiritual drink. Do you think you're immune? Do you think you're invincible to sin? And Paul says, you can't look at your life that way. Sin is so destructive, you can't possibly look at your life that way. So here's the context. Of our, our 1 Corinthians 10.13 is sin brings destruction and so the blessed must be careful. 
You know, I don't eat manna in the morning, and I don't drink from the rock. But I enjoy a lot, a lot of things that God does for me. And so I better be careful. Have you ever, have you ever seen somebody fall in a, in a spectacular way and just be utterly messing up their life? And you looked at them and you thought, I'm glad I will never steal from my job. I'm glad I will never fall into temptation with another person. I'm glad I will never say anything so stupid as that. And if you've done that, take heed lest you fall. Where are we going with this? Well, we go on like this. Uh, number, uh, the, next, the next point is he calls these temptations that we all have and uh, we'll be in verse uh, 13 now. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So, so he's talking about common to man temptations. Now this word temptation, this is interesting. Um, because it means test, trial, or temptation. And so in some sense when, when he's talking about God won't, you won't be tempted more than you, he won't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle You could substitute the word test. You won't be tested more than you can handle. But, and although some people use it that way, I think in the context, I think in the context, we're talking about sin and temptation. I, I think you probably agree with me. We're not talking about suffering. We're talking about sin. And so I think I can leave that old, that, 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 that statement, God won't give you more than you can handle. I think I can leave that behind Because this verse is primarily talking about sin, not suffering. Okay, so these are common to man temptations. Uh, the word common to man is actually just one word in Greek. Uh, it's the word where we get anthropos or anthropology. It, it, it's a study, it's man, it's human. He's saying these are human temptations. These are human temptations that you go through. So even though they're destructive, even though you could have a huge fall you have to remember, none of this is new. None of the things you're going through are something that only you are going through. Your trials, your tests, and, and indeed your temptations are not unique to you alone. And I think that's a helpful word, because in the heat of it, sometimes we feel like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one dealing with this temptation. I'm the only one that wants to do that. And, and the reality is, A lot of us want to do that. A lot of us want to give in. These are common. They're human. And so the ones that, uh, the ones that Paul lists are grumbling. Do you ever complain against God? Grumble. He talks about sexual sin, sexual immorality. Are you tempted there? He talks about idolatry. Is there anything in your life that you would say is more important to you, that you find more value in than God? That's an idol. And so he names these sins. And he says they're common. We've been dealing with this forever. This is not just you. It's everybody. So be careful. Um, the other thing about uh, temptations versus trials, maybe I didn't say this earlier, is, you know, uh, this is just helpful Bible study. Sometimes when you do a word study... And on this, I did a word study on temptations. Um, 
It can mean temptation or trial or test, but I don't think it has all of those meanings. Just like if you use the word fly, you wouldn't say, um, if you use the word fly, I, I, I can mean a, a little insect. I, I can mean an airplane that flies. It can be a verb. It can be a noun. It can be a lot of different things. But how I use it is what's, what matters. So I think in this case, the way temptation is used, the way that word is used, makes more sense not to interpret it as trial. More, more it makes more sense to do temptation. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, what he says in verse 13 I think is incredibly helpful. It's right there in the middle of the verse, of verse 13. God is faithful. He's faithful. When somebody says, when somebody says, God won't give you more than you can handle, the other problem that I have with that is I feel like the emphasis is on me. What can I handle? What can you handle? How strong are you? How broad are your shoulders? And I believe Paul's emphasis is on God is faithful. When you are tempted, it's not about what you can handle. It's about what God is doing with you. Um, Think of it like this. Years ago, before the age of cell phones, a man had some business in town and he drove into town with his son. His son was about 10 and he says, son, i got to do some business down the road here. I'm going to drop you off in front of the dime store. Kids, you know what a dime store is? Do you have any idea what a dime store is? A dime store is where you can go, and you go in there, and they have candy for a dime or a penny or a nickel. And you could go in there, and you can get a whole bunch of candy and just pay pennies for it. It's a dime store. And we had one when I was growing up, and I went to the dime store. And it was really good if you didn't have a lot of money because anybody could afford a dime. But look, if you want a lot of candy, if you want big candy, if you want expensive candy, listen up, kids. Participation in sports may lead you to a lucrative career. A lucrative career, and then you won't have to go to the dime store because you've got lots of money. (laughs) You can afford it. All right, there we go. There we go. I feel like taking a bow, but I don't think that would be appropriate. As soon as I read it, I thought, dime store, dime store. Okay, um, dime store. So he drops his son off in front of the dime store, and he says, I'll be back in half an hour. I have some business on uh, the other side of town. You stay right here. I'll be right back, and then we're going to take you into the dime store, and you get whatever you want uh, because you don't have a lucrative career yet. Um, and uh, so the kid stayed there. Unfortunately, the man's car broke down. And he was five hours in coming back to get his son. And there's no cell phones. Remember I said that at the beginning. There's no cell phones. And so he finally gets back to his son. And, he, and he's thinking, my son's probably crying. He's probably not there. He's probably wandering around the streets looking for me. And he goes back to the spot. And the son is still there. And he's like looking in the dime store window, kind of shuffling, shuffling his feet five hours later. And the dad says, son, I'm so, he hugs him and kisses him, and I'm so sorry, and my car broke down, and I had to take care of it. And the son said, dad, I, it's okay. I, I knew you were coming back for me. I, I, I knew you'd be here. And, and that is an image of the faithfulness of God, because hear me now, hear me now. When I am tempted severely, those seconds can feel like eternity, can't they? Can't they feel like five hours? 
and you're like, well, what do I do in the temptation? I want to give in and I want to say this. And, and I, I always say things that are stupid. So I might as well, you know, it's just, it feels like an eternity. Like you're in that moment. But God is there. And he won't take five hours. He's there right now in the temptation. He's not doing the tempting, but he's with you in the tempting. So the problem I have with God won't give you more than you can handle is, it's like, what can I handle? Not very much. What can I handle with God? Everything. Everything. What kind of temptation can I withstand? All of it. With God. So, can I, can I show you just three promises this verse makes for you? And, and call this application. You know, call this, I'm walking out the door with one of these applications. I hope you do. Let me give you three. Number one. Through God, and this is how he shows his faithfulness, through God, you have the ability. You have the ability. God says he won't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle, more than your ability. Here's the Greek word, if we can put it up there. It's uh, dunamai, and dunamai means to be able or to have power. When you see the word power in the New Testament, usually that word is dunamis. You know, power. And God gives you power. And so I really, 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 really don't believe that when we're tempted, we're supposed to say, I've got the power, you know. From me, it's I've got the power from Him. He's giving me power. He's giving me grace. It's not me. It's Him in me. That's where the power comes from. I don't think Paul ever meant that you've got the power in yourself. Because when I read Romans, I read about how we're dead to sin, right? And we do the things we don't want to do. And we just, like, right? You don't have power over sin. God gives you power over sin. It's not from your sinfulness. It's from the holiness of God. He empowers you. Here's the verse I'd love to show you. It's, I think it's 1 Corinthians again. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in with, with me. If you resist temptation more than anybody else in this room, it's not you, it's the grace of God in you. I hope you know that. Because the alternative is to be like this. I'm tempted, and so I just grit my teeth and, and just try really hard to resist. And, and you're going to burst a blood vessel, for goodness sake. Stop. It doesn't work. It's not healthy for you. It's a reliance on God. It's praying to Him. It's His promises. It's trusting in Him. It's realizing that, it's realizing that temptation to sin promises you some sort of pleasure or some sort of good thing that you're going to get when you give in. And instead you say, no, God's promises are greater and better and give me joy and peace. And whatever this sin promises, God promises more and better. That's where you go. His grace is enough. You can lean on him. He's there with you. Do you ever have a boss that, that took you into a job that you had to do and said, this is your, your job for the day, and, and it told you to do it and then just walked away? And you're like, I don't know how to do this job. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of lost because the boss didn't train you. He didn't show you. He didn't join you in it. And Jesus does all of that. He trains us. He shows us how to do it. He joins us in it. He's been tempted as we are. He's right there. He's not the absent boss. He's a present Savior. 
Secondly, second promise. And again, I hope you walk out with one of these that would be really helpful for you. Uh, Through God, you have an escape. The promise of this verse is there is a way out. There is a means of escape. So you can stand under the pressure. There's an escape. Now here's the word escape. We can bring up that Greek word, um, ekbasis. Ekbasis means a way out, an exit, an outcome. Get me out of here, right? The imagery behind this word is like a small group of soldiers that are surrounded and they don't know how they're going to get out. How do you get away from this overwhelming force that's coming against you, this temptation to sin? And they're looking, 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 and they see a path. They see an exit. They see a way to get away. Maybe they see a way to surround the troops that were around them and just get out of there so they can have a victory out of what looks like defeat. There is a path. There is an exit. So the question is, have you looked for it? Have you looked for a path out of the temptation? Because God promises there is one. Can I give you two illustrations of what this could look like maybe for you? What what an exit would look like when you're tempted? One is Joseph being tempted by Potiphar's wife. You know, come to me. And Joseph just runs out of there. And so I heard someone once say, what you need in the middle of temptation is a little dose of humility and a good pair of tennis shoes. And I think that's true, you know. Sometimes with sin, it's like, how quickly can I get away from this? How fast can I run? Get me out of here. The path is remove myself. Do something else. Change course. Whatever it is, it has to be now and it has to be escape. And I think that's true. I think some temptations look like Daniel, though. Uh, Daniel's temptation. It's, it's Daniel, you have to eat the king's food and drink the king's wine. You have to. And Daniel says, let me propose a test. How about you test me for, how many days was it? I don't remember my Sunday school story. Um, however many days he proposed the test, test me with vegetables and water and see if I and my friends don't come out looking better than all the other king's people. Sometimes the way out is a plan. Sometimes the way out, I, I love Daniel because he's like, you think you're testing me, I'm going to test you. You know, Let's pro- I'm going to propose the test. The test is, I'm going to do vegetables and water. I love that he changes the whole thing around. And you can do that too. Whatever the temptation is, whatever situation you find yourself in, can you propose an alternate plan or solution to what you find yourself in? Right? Can you do that? If you find yourself doing the same old things and falling in the same old ways, what can you change to get yourself out of that? How can you sin-proof your life, even though knowing we all stumble in many ways, and I will this week and so will you? What can you do to plan, like Daniel, for the temptation that's right in front of you? How can you plan for it and be ready? Because if he didn't look better than everybody else, if Daniel didn't look better after those days, he might have been tempted to actually eat the food rather than sacrifice his life. I think he would have sacrificed his life myself the temptation would have been there. Compromise. Make a plan. Um, I think any of you could go home today and see the thing that you struggle with the most and say, what's my plan for overcoming this with the Lord? 
What's the path God has given me to escape? Any of you can do that. You just have to sit down and do it. Ask God, show me the path. Show me the escape that you have prepared for me. And then thirdly and finally. Did I forget my verse there? Oh, can you go back to 2 Peter 2.9? It's too good not to show. Um, 2 Peter 2.9. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Does the Lord know how to rescue you? Yes. He knows how. You just need to ask him and look. And look for the rescue. Look for the way out. Uh, All right, lastly. uh, The last promise here is that in temptation, through God, you can endure it. That's the last part of the verse. You can endure the temptation. As fiery as it is, as bad as it is, as much as you want to give in, And sometimes when we feel like giving in, we just want to give in because it's like, I already felt it. I felt the temptation. I might as well. No, don't. You felt it. It was hard, but don't give in. You can endure it. Do you ever have that feeling sometimes that at some point you're just going to be taken out and you're going to fall like the other believers you've seen fall? That some trial will come up, some test, some temptation and you'll give in, and it's going to mess up your life. Maybe that's something pastors feel. I know I felt it. Like, I want to run this race, and I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be disqualified from this ministry. I don't want to be disqualified from leading my family. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to give in to sin. And sometimes I think Satan comes in and he says, at some point you will. I think I've heard that. I know God didn't say that. I know that comes from somewhere else. Someday you will fall spectacularly. And I see this, and I know that you can endure it, and I can endure it, and God will bring us safely through it. Just like Job with his suffering. He didn't curse God. He endured. You can endure it. And our example of endurance, as you know, is Christ. Tempted, yes, that the cup would pass, please, any other way but this way. But he drank the cup. He resisted the temptation. He suffered for you to forgive you of all your sins. He was tempted in every way as you are, yet was without sin. Could I have you bow your heads and close your eyes now? And this is where I want to leave you today. That Christ has endured. He's endured the temptations but didn't sin. He went to the cross to pay for the times when you gave in to sin. And maybe for some of you, you have never given your life to Him. You've never asked Him to forgive you. And maybe today is the day that needs to happen. If it is, would you pray something like this in your heart? Lord Jesus, today I confess that I have been tempted and have given in and and broken your commands. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I don't deserve a relationship with you. And yet I also recognize that you love me. 
And Jesus, you died for me to forgive me. So please change me and give me a new heart. Transform my life. Cleanse me of my sin. I don't want to walk in a sinful lifestyle anymore. I want to follow you. And so I'm giving my life to you. In your name I pray. And with your head still down and your eyes still closed, if any one of you prayed that today and gave your life to Christ, would you look up at me if this was your day? Would you make eye contact and I'll just know that this was you? This was you. Okay. Anyone? All right. Let me pray for you that may still be considering. And then we'll sing one more song of worship. Father, I thank you for these promises. They're great and they're precious that I can leave my excuses behind and that I can follow you wholeheartedly. That I can have your ever-present help. Not help in five hours, but help now. That your faithfulness is so great that you enter into that with me. That you strengthen us in the moment that we need you. That you never leave us or forsake us. And so I pray for those here who feel beaten up by the temptations of life that you would give them your mighty power and grace and show them the exit. Show them the way out. Perhaps they'll enlist the help of friends like Daniel had friends during that great test. Maybe they'll have friends that will stand with them in it. But we know you stand with us, and we thank you for that. Please help us. In Christ's name, amen.